Yo, what is up, guys? Welcome back to Tag Team, the Pokemon trading card game's premier podcasting duo. My name is Riley Holbert, joined, as always, by my good, good friend, Mr. J.W. Crewall. J.W., how's it hanging today? Hey, it's hanging pretty well, Riley. Thank you for asking. I'm so glad to hear that. Yeah, man. For the listeners, J.W. gave the little shyest little meek (laughs) hand wave when I called upon him. What's that about, dude? Um, just just saying, hey, you know, in a in a very modest way. It's like a little ooh, yeah, little guy. <laughs> I don't really think you fit that archetype super well, man. Not gonna lie. Really? You don't think so? You don't think I could be an e boy? You could maybe be an e boy, but you wouldn't be like a little shy, cute guy. You know, shy little cute guy. Yeah, it's okay. not you. Well, well, I mean, it could be. I mean, You're I just, think... You carry a boisterous energy about you. Maybe I could be a boisterous little cute guy. Yeah, but I just the shy doesn't okay. really fit your profile. <laughs> okay, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> you could just... It emanates from you, too, you know? Like, I can't The boisterousness? Describe. Yeah. Why? I, I, it's just like the smile. I always got There's this, something... like, I'm all, I always look like I'm up to something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's something going on. I'm sure. scheming. <laughs> You're definitely scheming all the time. <laughs> Little rambunctious rascal over here. That's me. So true. What's been going on this week, man? Well, I've been working on some projects at work, and man, TypeScript is really hard. <laughs> it is. Yeah. It's it's like annoyingly hard. I had a I had a React Redux project that I had set up with JavaScript, and I know this is going to be like going over a lot of people's heads, but uh, for those that know, um, I took this one project and I basically translated it into TypeScript uh-huh. um, and, you know, put a bunch of the, you know, interfaces and made sure all the types were cast. And it's just like, there's all these things that's supposed to make it a better program. Theoretically, that's the whole point of like TypeScript is to make it, um, you know, so that all the data matches exactly. And it just, is making it way harder, you know. The way I had it was fine, you know, and now I gotta redo it. But it's Boo. been a good, yeah. I know it's been a good little little learning experience for me and uh, frustrating experience. But that's what I've been working on. It's kind of like, you know, how they say, you know, you gotta do the hard things to get the reward. You know, you gotta take the cold shower, and then it makes hard things in the future a little more approachable. Never really heard take the cold shower, but I get what you're saying. Well, it's like, you know, do the, you know, climb the mountain because then other challenges in your life won't be sure yeah. as difficult. No, so yeah. so that's what this feels like. It's your, it's your mountain. It's my mountain. I must conquer the TypeScript. <laughs> but how are you? I'm doing well. I got some really big things on my plate right now um, at work, just trying to trying to be a mover and a shaker you know in in the workplace make cool Mm -hmm. things happen but it means that i have to put a lot of effort and mental energy into it um otherwise things have been good things have been good it's been beautiful out here recently um so really just been enjoying enjoying that i have a friend in town this week who um, moved away uh, earlier this year so going to be able to hang out with him while he's here. It's also my friend's birthday this week, so we got to do, enjoy that. A lot going on, actually. And When's the testing, bro? 
When's the testing happening? After Thursday, when I reunite with my friend, I'll actually have time, which will be awesome. Okay, nice. That's nice. also that's also when I'm having Thursdays when I have like a big presentation that I'm giving for work. So, oh. um, I've been kind of hunkered down mentally. Okay, very cool. Yeah, so that's cool. Uh, but I am so excited for the pokemon trading card game world championship jw they actually showed off the world championship at the pokemon presents today which is something i never thought i would see i watched that from chick-fil-a this morning where i got a little free breakfast and it was very cool i mean it was just interesting right you had the i don't know the director of pokemon esports or whatever i I don't know his official title (laughs) but he, he was up there, he was talking about it, and showed off some of the merch and showed off some of the uh, the trophy, the new trophy that they're giving away, which is basically just a trophy of Pikachu holding a trophy. Is it really that different from the previous trophies? I think it's very similar. Well, no, but it's like they put, instead of Pikachu just resting on the base, there's like a base that comes up into these kind of spikes. Oh, I, yeah, I know. And then, yeah. and then there's a Pokeball. And then on top of the Pokeball is like a tinier Pikachu. I just I thought it's that like maybe the previous trophy looked like that yeah it it looks pretty much the same like the the elements of the Pikachu (laughs) holding the trophy are the same but then there's this added component of these tall spikes and a pokeball Hmm. so I don't know I'm I'm a little lukewarm on the on the redesign but I I think it's a little bit more modern so Uh, you got you're gonna have to warm up to it when the first and second place trophies are sitting behind us here. Bro, I'm I'm dreaming of it. I just it's so hard to envision. You know, it's just like you don't want to get your hopes up for a tournament like this because you just never know what's going to be thrown at you. But you also got to go in with a winner's mentality. I mean, I always do for every tournament that I play, but you do. <laughs> it's so <laughs> It's it's so crazy, you know, and especially to go um through three days of competition like we'll have to do you know there's no head start we're starting from the bottom and it's going to be a grind it's true although i will say i don't think we had a chance to touch on this last week or maybe it wasn't even out last week but it is doing an asymmetrical cut this year which Mm -hmm. is an interesting change so there will be no more bubbling if you have the same record as eighth place you will move on to a single elimination which i think is really cool it's a good competitive change. I think I think so. I wouldn't mind seeing that at the regional level too. It might be a trial run like I cuz this technically I think is the first tournament of the next season or something, right? Is that correct? That's it used to that's used to be how it was considered when Worlds gave CP. Um I I think the Open technically is the first tournament okay. of the season. I understand. I understand. But, it used to be more like that when, when there was CP for Worlds. But that's neither here nor there. I agree. Asymmetrical cut, very good idea. Make sure that the best players are playing for the prize. And, yeah, couldn't be couldn't so. be happier to see that it here just, at Worlds. It's also just it sucks if you're that, you know, ninth place player. And for reasons <laughs> outside of your control, you weren't able to play just on tiebreakers, you know? Right, right. And you did everything you could, essentially, except maybe win one extra game right Right. you did you did as much as you could reasonably um that the eighth place player did but you played against different people obviously and so you're gonna have that different record based on the tiebreaker so big change cool change excited to see how it plays out 
and bring back world's day two cp while we're at it <laughs> that would be kind of fun well i just i don't like that playing in world's day two and flubbing is like worse than playing in the open <laughs> you know yeah if you especially if you played in from day one that feels horrible you know if you have a bad day on day two and don't even get and like meanwhile your friend is going six and three in the open and getting cp <laughs> yeah like a sizable amount for sure <laughs> no that's neither here nor there though i'm i am really excited for the tournament though so seeing it in the presents made it feel more real and the fact that we're actually in now the month of august <laughs> makes it feel more real it felt distant back on july 31st but here on august 3rd it feels very real I agree. It's coming up so fast, man. Like I feel, I just always feel this way over any tournament. So I'm trying to like train myself to just let things go a little bit more. But, um, you know, I don't think any amount of preparation would make me feel a hundred percent confident going into a tournament like this. Yeah. I just feel really anxious and nervous and oh, definitely you know, like the pre-tournament anxiety is, is definitely there, especially for the world championship. Right. Cause it's kind of like the culmination of everything yep. but, but i know we're both excited to go we're both excited to compete we're excited to see you all who will join us there at the world championship um and we're excited to win the whole thing so completely agree with that i think it's a perfect time to start talking about our vision here for worlds so over the last few weeks we talked about the progression of our testing from the most vanilla decks in the arceus and Teleons and the palkias to some of the more niche strategies with Stonejourner and stall decks. And this week we thought we would take a different approach and talk about more generally some of the turbo decks. So in the front half of today's episode, we'll talk about the general turbo engine, that being like the Celebrations Mew and the Radiant Greninja and the different variations of those kinds of decks. And in the back half, we'll talk about the turbo deck in Mew VMAX as our spotlight deck for today leading up to Worlds. Absolutely. So let's just jump right in. Turbo decks has been something that's really excited me conceptually as we look at this format because I would really love to play a deck where I just go, go, go and don't even have to worry about my opponent because I'm going to overwhelm them and play my, my game my way. Um, and that's something that I think a lot of people see the appeal of in these sorts of decks. Uh, the most obvious of which being the Dialga V-Star deck that utilizes mm -hmm. the Mew and the Radiant Greninja to quickly power up your Dialga to do Star Kronos into subsequent one-hit KOs with the first attack on that Dialga V-Star. Dialga not the only recipient of that engine. We see some other decks crop up. Uh, people have tried Turbo Gengar. People have tried Turbo Palkia. Turbo Palkia, obviously winning a regional championship. JW, what are your thoughts sort of high level about these turbo decks? Do you like them conceptually? Is it something that you're interested in pursuing or do you think it's a waste of time? Well, I think every time that you have an opportunity to play a solitaire deck um, where you're only really concerned about what's happening on your side of the field as opposed to what your opponent might be trying to do. I think that can always be very beneficial if you find a list like that that can do well against the metagame to be able to take that into a tournament. I agree. The problem with a lot of these turbo decks is that they have found a bit of their match w against 
other decks that aren't necessarily, you know, quote unquote turbo, um, but can still get those quick, simple knockouts. And most primarily among those being the Mew VMAX, which we'll talk about later in the cast a little bit more, and Palkia that's playing the four cross switcher, right? So I think of Palkia here as this kind of check to just these straight turbo all out builds like Dialga because they can gust up a Dialga on that second turn and take a knockout and you're only playing two of them and like, you know, half of your attackers are gone immediately. So I just feel Palkia is that kind of bottleneck for these more turbo strategies to work out. And I think that's kind of what's keeping them relatively balanced for now. So I do agree. Palkia is a, a general check on basically every deck in the format, to be honest. Uh, but especially those turbo decks, the one, and they love to fill their bench. They love to fill it quickly. And Palkia can prey on the Crobats as well. It can prey on your unevolved VMAXs and V-Stars. It really pick them off very quickly. So things get sketchy fast for those turbo decks. Let's talk through some of the individual examples that have existed in this format or that we've been trying and see if there's any particular variants that maybe stick out amongst the rest. First of which, obviously, being that Dialga V-Star. Dialga having that Star Kronos attack to skip your opponent's turn, as well as do 220 damage. That's really appealing, but it does cost that 5 energy, which you can get powered up relatively quickly if you hit those items in the Metal Saucers at the right times. But my experience with Dialga is also that you see a lot of the inverse of that, and that really is dissatisfying in particularly the Palkia matchup is where I find it the most annoying. Um, I think you can kind of like claw your way back versus Arceus decks because they don't put on the same level of damage pressure. Mm -hmm. um, but I guess the Palkia decks in particular, it's so frustrating if you're not able to hit those timely metal saucers and take quick knockouts. Um, so I've been a little bit underwhelmed by the Dialga deck, and I think of the three turbo decks we just listed, it's the highest maintenance version of the turbo engine. Which sure. is not necessarily appealing to me. Yeah, I would agree. It's been up and down as well for me with Dialga. I say I'm more on the favorable side of looking at Dialga. I think um, it's a generally good deck. I think we will see uh, it at the World Championships. And I think it'll do pretty, you know, above average um, just on the whole. I don't think it's a stinker of a deck um, by any means. I don't think so either, to be clear. <laughs> but it it has kind of when i've played it it's felt a little bit like um you know just you need things in a very particular order and you're very reliant on those metal saucer um obviously right <laughs> like that's that's your way to accelerate energy besides your one energy attachment per turn and so if you don't hit the metal saucer uh, at the right times or uh, probably more frustratingly if you just can't get energy in the discard pile, then the whole strategy just kind of, fall, kind of falls apart because ideally Dialga is going to want to use the V-Star attack on, you know, the second turn of the game, right? Get a Dialga out on turn one, attach to it, attach to it on the next turn, and then get three Metal Saucer. Can happen. That's the ideal. But I found that, you know, if you're going into th turn three, turn four, turn five, I mean, the deck just gets increasingly worse every turn that goes by. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I do think there's ways you can kind of you know, play a little tricky. Um, you know, maybe you take a quick knockout on the second turn, for example, with mm -hmm. a two energy Dialga on a Trezile sure. or a Sobble or something. Sure. And, you know, make up the prize trade in a different way. But 
I do agree by and large the combo you have to hit with the Dialga relatively speaking is very long <laughs> compared to some of these other decks well it's just tough right because you're especially if you're playing against decks that um either play high counts of marnie or can fish marnie out at any point is that you know you play your crobat you maybe you radiant greninja once or twice maybe you you know mew a couple times to get a few cards in hand maybe you puke muku and maybe you zashi and v at the end of your turn and all of a sudden you're sitting on like a 10 card hand and you're thinking okay you know do i play the metal saucer now or do i save them to try to combo at one time and you're like okay well i play the metal saucer first here to get the energy into play and then that's when things go really bad or have potentially go really bad because then you get that thing bossed up and, and knocked <laughs> out or, or cross switch it up and knocked out and you just lost you know, all that metal saucer energy that you just got back into play, and it makes it really, really hard to get back into the game from that point. I definitely agree with but that. But then there's the, you know, then it's like the, you know, the inverse of that is like, well, you could keep all them in hand, and then your opponent Marnie's you, and then you're stuck trying to fit together the combo pieces again and get it all back into hand to to go off with your with your Dialga V-Star. So it's kind of a catch-22 in a lot of cases, and that's what I've found is if I've... You know, it, it seemed like, well, if I've gotten the energy off the Metal Saucer um, and I've had kind of like a mid-start where I've had to make that choice, I've been put in that position. Well, you know, sometimes I'll put the energy into play with Metal Saucer and then that always goes wrong because they'll boss up what I'm trying to uh, set up. And then if I hold the Metal Saucers and my opponent plays Marnie, like in an Arceus deck, for instance, then I just get my hand Marnied away and I'm starting from square one. But I'm in a worse position because I have like a Crobat down. You know, and a, and a Zashian as well. So yeah, it's it's a little frustrating. Yeah, I definitely agree. And it's funny because you referenced, you know, decks that could potentially pluck the Marnie out of the deck at will. And really, that is most of the decks in format with mm -hmm. the Inteleon engine that we see in the majority of Palkia and Arceus decks, which comprise the majority of the format. I'll play at least one Marnie, and they play a Drizile to get that Marnie <laughs> when they want to. Um, or their decks like Arceus Pikachu that play four of them. You know, that's really the only types of decks that we're really seeing consistently. So lots of decks do have that disruptive capability that decks like Dayaga really don't appreciate. Yeah, absolutely. I'm wondering if they're, and this is kind of where my head's been at recently, is that I don't think I'll find a new archetype to play but maybe i'll be able to reinvent an existing archetype so in the case of dialga i've been thinking a lot about playing additional dialga v such that i could on that first turn or you know if i go second on my first turn be able to accelerate with the first attack mm -hmm. and then in that way try to just get an you know additional energy into play and and be able to you know overwhelm my opponent that way and have two attackers um, so I've been thinking about that as like a way to maybe enhance Dialga a little bit is like, okay, I am actually trying to go for a strategy of accelerating with a Dialga. Obviously that's kind of tough because you're leaving a Dialga V in the active for your opponent to hit into, which generally you want to leave, you know, one prize or active. But that's kind of what I've been thinking about recently is just how can I make it so that I'm not totally reliant on hitting all these metal saucer in one turn to get the knockout on my opponent's Pokemon next turn. Maybe I can kind of like split the difference and get some energy on a Dialga active and maybe some on the bench and then they don't really have a good target to knock out. Yeah, absolutely. Like trying to get 
more viable energy targets in play is never a bad strategy in a deck that's trying to get as much energy in play as possible. I, I think we're we're reaching kind of a cyclical conclusion here. Dialga is a good deck, and when it fires on all cylinders, it's basically unbeatable. But it doesn't always fire on all cylinders, and it's really a matter of trying to optimize the deck to do that. Would you agree? Completely. So let's talk about the other mainstay in the other Diamond and Pearl Legendary, and that's Turbo Palkia. Now this took the Melbourne Regionals by storm at the start of the Astral Radiance format. And then that deck largely disappeared. It fell out of favor pretty much wholesale for Palkia and Teleon. Do you think Turbo Palkia has any legs to stand on in this stage of the format? Well, it does in the sense that it has this turbo engine that's very consistent, but it doesn't in the sense that it has a much lower ceiling than some of the other partners for this turbo engine. Um, Dialga especially obviously can do... Um, you know, can can wipe an opponent's field of <laughs> attackers, yeah. you know, and, and just do it kind of without thinking about it, right? But Palkia has a little bit tougher time in that if the opponent's able to play around it or the opponent, you know, you don't find bosses or, you know, you're just doing less damage on the whole. You don't get that extra additional turn, so there's no guarantee that you can knock out your opponent's main attacker. So just that inherently makes it a little bit worse than Dialga, although it's a lot less maintenance. So there's that trade-off there. Um, that's kind of where I see it. Just a lower ceiling for Palkia overall. And there's no benefit there of like playing, um, you know, playing the Diancy. There's no real benefit of like, you know, being able to sit behind Diancy like they were able to do at Melbourne because most people weren't playing cross switchers in their lists. So I just don't see Turbo Palkia as being stronger as a turbo deck than Dialga. I would largely agree. I think the the trade-off that you're trying to make with Turbo Palkia is, hey, I'm not going to have that ceiling of Dialga of wiping my opponent's board and skipping their turn. But in exchange for that, I'm going to have a much more consistent deck, you know, much lower to the ground, mm-hmm. two-energy attacker that accelerates to itself. Pretty good. Um and you instead can fill your instead of filling your deck up with you know metal saucers, you can fill it up with more copies of bosses orders, for example, to be able to really pick your opponent's cards off instead of doing overwhelming damage to the active. That's of course the idea. Uh, in practice, I don't think that Turbo Palkia really accomplishes that end game fantasy better than Palkia and Teleon does, and it doesn't accomplish the Turbo Fantasy better than Dialga does, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like you're trying to meet those decks in the middle, and you're not getting the full potential of either version. Yeah, would agree with that too. So I, I think if you're thinking about Turbo Palkia, I would err on the side of committing <laughs> to, to the bit and doing Dialga, or committing to the bit and doing Palkia and Teleon with Irida. There's another turbo deck that I think people have played in the past, uh, have tried, and that's Gengar VMAX. Any thoughts there on Gengar? That obviously some of the benefits to Gengar is that has higher HP than Palkia V-Star, than Dialga V-Star. Obviously going to give up an extra prize, but um, doing 280 as well, which is a really nice number to hit. We talk about 280 hitting 
all the V stars for knockouts. So, Gengar Vmax, any thoughts on that as a turbo deck? Yeah, Gengar is intriguing, um, and Gengar actually did place what well, way back at, at Melbourne. Turbo Gengar got top sixteen, I think. Um, so it's not an unfounded concept. Gengar is an appealing card. It's something that's appealed to our testing circle for quite a while. Andrew, of course, being a big proponent of Gengar leading up to uh, UIC and Indianapolis. And the reasons become fairly obvious. I mean, Gengar is a huge, huge Pokemon. It has that 320 hit points. Um, and it does a clean 280 with a choice belt, which is the number to hit right now. It's also happened to be a dark type, which used to be very good for knocking out Mew. Mew has obviously kind of fallen out of favor, but like we'll talk about at the latter half of the cast, it's been rising in popularity. I think Gengar has maybe two things going for it, and that's it's easier to get going than Dialga, at least mm-hmm. to get the, those key damage numbers. To do 280 with a Dialga, you need six metal energy, and you only need three darks with a Gengar. And keep in mind that Dark Patch did get reprinted. So it's not that hard to get those three darks. And Gengar is less likely to be return KO'd because of that HP. But on the flip side, it is capped at 280. Whereas Dialga can go above that if it needs to in a pinch. Um, you don't have that crazy V-Star power to like really go over the edge and skip your opponent's turn. And you do have to switch every turn you attack, which isn't necessarily a problem, but it's just like one more moving part that you have to hit every consecutive turn that you're attacking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And you do have to play like tool scrappers or something like that because you need the choice belt to hit the 280. So that means if you want to knock out a big charmed Arceus or a tool jammered Palkia or a tool jammered Dialga, you have to actually remove their tools, which isn't a problem, but it's just like, one other stupid thing that you have to hit, you know? Sure, of course. So would you say that you think Turbo Gengar is um, a good play, a mid play, a bad play? Like what kind of, what tier would you place Gengar in? Um, And would you, you know, do more testing into it, heading into Worlds? I think if you're hyper laser focused on Arceus and Palkia, then Gengar is probably pretty good into that. And Gengar also gets the random side benefit of being able to knock out V2V Union if you if you ever end up against a deck that plays it, mm-hmm. uh, be it an Arceus deck or a Stall deck. Um, but I think once you exit that niche of, of Palkia and Arceus, Gengar's efficacy drops significantly with the exception of, of the Mew matchup. So, like, for example, I wouldn't want to play Gengar against an Ice Rider deck, and I wouldn't want to play Gengar against the Arceus deck that runs a VMAX attacker. Mm-hmm. You know, all those kinds of things start to get really annoying for Gengar. Um, or it's definitely not a single prize deck. Good, Goodness gracious, the Gengar right. sucks against single prizes. Right. Um, so I think if you're just hyper fixated on those two matchups, which maybe is a valid consideration going into Worlds, then Gengar is is an okay choice. But if you're expecting a wider breadth of things, you know, the stall decks, you're expecting the, the single prize decks, you're expecting these other random niche decks, 
then I don't like Gengar as much. And that's kind of been Gengar's problem from the, the word go, is that it was always okay in its core matchups, even when it was like single strike Gengar, but it's always struggled against everything else. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. I mean, is there a way for Gengar to get around a mill tank? Like, I'm trying to think of... You'd play. You'd have to play Colognes, right? Cologne, mm-hmm, yeah. But even then, you're like... Phoebe, maybe. If you have a couple of outs to mill tank, you also have to switch, like, every time you're trying to hit those mill tanks, and, like, presumably they're putting some sort of pressure on you, either on your energy or, you know, your gusting benched Pokemon or something... Right, you know, so it's not like a guaranteed reliable strategy either. And like, can you knock out four mill tanks? You know, probably not. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't seem. Can you even hit the three? Possible. Probably not yeah. even three. So, yeah. it and three is kind of like the gold standard. It feels like right now for those stalled oriented decks. So, I don't know. How worried though should should these turbo decks be about stall? It's a fair question. Um, I think stall will see uh, the player base at Worlds is probably a player base that is more likely to play stall than the average like regional championship, mm -hmm. if I had to wager a guess. And I do think a lot of people actually really do like the Mewtwo V Union stall deck. So I think if, if you see stall, it's probably going to look like that. Um, will you actually hit it? I would say like in day one, the eight rounds you maybe hit it once if that yeah zero to one yeah zero to one and then in day two like i could see zero to two <laughs> sure so i you can determine for yourself if you think that's worth respecting you only have to go x and two in day one though so. I know, right? So, I mean, it, it is there is something to be said for, and and this might be a topic we can talk about next uh, next week. But just heading into worlds, like, what kind of strategies are you thinking about? You know, is like, are you trying to beat every matchup, or are you going to say, hey, I'm I'm not expecting to face these matchups, or you know, if I end up facing this matchup, like, oh well, who cares? And just try to you know hyper inflate the matchups that you think are going to be the most popular. I mean, I think there's a lot to be said for. Um, the various strategies and you know obviously that's kind of what we're thinking heading into regionals as well but worlds worlds is a whole new ball game because you just have an average player base that's better <laughs> you know so <laughs> you're, you you're not well <laughs> i'm just saying like usually at a regionals you can kind of well, like go say, with the winner's mentality to my league challenges <laughs> well no i do i do as well i'm just saying the average player at a regional versus the average player at worlds yeah is very different so trying to you know at a regionals you can usually expect one or two free matchups throughout the day just because the opponent's gonna what are you saying <laughs> you know what i'm saying bro i want you to come out and pull up your most recent regional match list <laughs> and point out the two people you're talking about listen listen <laughs> until you do that i'm unsatisfied that's fair. I did go to a tournament this last weekend. And how was that? Oh, it was great. It was a 2K in Ashland, Ohio. And that's a I, made up place. You just made up that location. Yeah, I did just make it up. You're right. <laughs> in Ashland, Ohio. And there were 29 people. And I got final. I made finals and then we split the pot. So I made 500 bucks. And you feel real cool about it, huh? So we're going to go 
we're gonna get one pint. One pint in London is on me. <laughs> Thank you, bro. Oh, how generous! <laughs> I know. You, I didn't even have to do that. Uh, you didn't, man. And that's <laughs> what makes it mean so much. <laughs> so we spent more time, I think, than we intended talking about TurboDex, which is good in a way, because that means we have a lot to say. Um, this format has started to to almost like cycle back on itself. Almost the, the fact that we're talking about the TurboDex so much is indicative of that in a way, right? If we mm-hmm. look back, if we d- discount kind of Pokemon Go and go back to the entirety of Astral Radiance, TurboDex was the definition of the very start of this format in Melbourne. And now we're talking about them again, heading into Worlds. And if we're thinking about, you know, the cyclical nature of this format and how things have been developing is Mew potentially a contender becomes the question. Have we focused so much on beating Palkia that Mew is now potentially a deck that can enter that fray again? We're going to talk about that here in the second half, but first, let's go ahead and do our card of the day. Absolutely. So I got a fun little card. I'll read the flavor text, although you'll get it probably after the first four words, but... (laughs) It's a fun one. I think this card is very interesting, not for what it shows, but what it implies. And I'll talk about (laughs) that in just a second. (laughs) What are you talking about? So the flavor text here. It creates throwing stars. Okay, Greninja. Out of compressed water. When it spins them and throws them at high speed, these stars can split metal in two. How cool That's, is that? I didn't believe you when you said the first four words. I'm like, it's you know, it's got to be like a sentence at least. <laughs> it, I think literally four words. Yeah, it it creates throwing stars. That's four. So this is the Greninja from Unbroken Bonds, and this Greninja is very interesting in its color palette because it's very dark for the most part, but it's got some shades of red and some shades of green on the side it look a little bit like tomatoes but what's interesting about this card to me is not what's depicted which is this greninja in the shade but it's what's actually shading the greninja which is the outline of this you know there's a shadow of a charizard outlining this greninja it's a really cool card well, i would I recommend like, i don't feel like i would know this card <laughs> yeah you gotta you gotta check it out it's very cool unbroken bonds greninja it has a bring down attack for a couple colorless. Heck? I've like never seen this card. <laughs> it, isn't it cool? It is cool. Yeah. yeah, it has a bring down attack. This Pokemon that has the least amount of HP remaining, except for this Pokemon is knocked out. That's actually a very famous attack from a Gardevoir from past formats that was very, very popular, um, widely played. Um, but unfortunately, this Greninja didn't see much play despite being very cool. And then it has a Mish Slash attack for its second attack. A couple of Darkness does 70 and goes through any effects on the opponent's active Pokemon. So I love this art. I think it's really cool looking. Yeah, this is sick. It's kind of mysterious like Greninja is, you know, in the shadows. Yeah, I like how um, he's kind of like emerging from... It's almost like he was hiding in the shadow of Charizard. Yeah, right, exactly. And yeah, and then you just have this Charizard implication. I guess it could be maybe a different Pokemon, but... It looks really cool. I would highly recommend checking this card out. Unbroken Plus, Bonds, a dark Greninja. type, and I always like when the starter's secondary type is the card. Is repped. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Imagine a, a colorless Charizard. <laughs> well, I mean, the, they had one. 
Which one? What are you talking about? Crystal Charizard? Well, that was a crystal card, though. They were all colorless. Well, yeah, but... I mean, I'm not wrong. You're not wrong. You're not. But imagine if they had one specifically just to represent, like, the flying type. Mm. And it was, like, weak to lightning. <laughs> I, they kind of did. Right? Like, special delivery Bidoof. <laughs> I guess so, man. <laughs> He's spitting. <laughs> so true. That's so That's so cool. Yeah, it's funny if you Google colorless Charizard and scroll down a little bit, you actually see special delivery. <laughs> <laughs> that card rocks for sure. I need to get my hands on one. Oh, you didn't get one from the like actual promotion? No, I was, I don't know. They didn't email me a code or I was too late or something. They You're ran sucker, out. Bro. I know. I'm trying to get that Charizard, that special delivery Charizard though. Yeah, I, did. I signed up for that too. All right. Let's go ahead then and thank our sponsor before we talk about Mew. And that is, of course, Manscaped. Manscaped is the presenting sponsor for the Tag Team Pokemon podcast. And we have been so thankful for the support that they have shown us. We're both really big fans of the Manscaped product lines. I'm actually wearing my Manscaped Boxers 2.0 as we speak right now. Uh, I wear them for good luck. Uh, so I wear them at every Pokemon tournament, and I wear them at Stressful Resort. So things are going well on my end. But also, they have all sorts of men's grooming products that will suit all of your needs. They got, of course, their infamous Lawn Mower 4.0. That thing is amazing. It does an excellent job at shaving your down there hairs, prevents any nicks and cuts. I certainly haven't gotten any since I started using it. And it's just got that awesome feel to it. GW loves the ear and nose hair trimmers for his incredibly luscious and long <laughs> ear and hey, nose man. hairs. <laughs> got to keep those in check with the weed whacker. And they have all sorts of cool stuff. And the great thing is, through Tag Team, you can actually get a little bit of a deal. So if you head on over to manscaped.com, type in code TAGTEAM at checkout, You'll get 20% off and free shipping. And I know that I hate paying for shipping. JW hates paying for shipping. You do too. I know it. I see it. You spring for the thing that's mm-hmm. that's $10, the free shipping, instead of the thing that's $8 for two with $2 shipping. I know you do that. Yep. And Absolutely. Not only do you get free shipping, though, you get money off of the original order. So it's a great deal. And if you're interested in any of those products, be sure to check them out. JW... Anything to add in the mail? Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, it's just really funny, right? Because I'm packing for London and I already have like three Manscaped products in my bag right now. The underwear, I got the the lip balm and I got the uh, the deodorant, you know, and that's not even counting all the all the shaving other shaving products that I could include. So Manscaped has been great to us as the presenting sponsor of this cast. And I would highly recommend checking out their products. Go to Manscaped.com. For 20% off plus free shipping when you use the code tag team. That's tag team at checkout for 20% off plus free shipping. Thank you so much to Manscaped for sponsoring the cast. All right, JW. Mew, the big yeah. villain of yeah. the Brilliant Stars format. It's kind of fallen out of favor as we look at NAIC. But it's been on the rise. If we look at our online tournaments, it won a late night. 
the other day. A lot of people have been playing it and bringing it to these online tournaments. What's the freaking deal, man? What's going on with Mew? It's so interesting because when I look at Mew, I look at it being less than viable due to Palky and Teleon's just stranglehold on the format. But as people have perfected Palky and Teleon and maybe got a little bit bored of it or have been trying to craft new strategies against Palky and Teleon, we're seeing a lot of these other decks rise up and see more play. Palky and Teleon to me has a, you know, slightly favored Mew matchup. I'm not going to say it's, you know, an auto win by any means, but I would say somewhere in the realm of 60-40 into Mew. And so with Palkia being kind of the most represented deck, being the the S-tier deck of this format, I just kind of felt like Mew wasn't really worth putting much energy into, to be completely honest. Um, But we're losing a lot of dark attackers, so that means your Mew can last a lot longer. All these Arceus decks are completely forgoing any Crobats, any Moltres in favor of just a more streamlined Arceus and Talion build. Um, you're really not seeing any powerful dark attackers. You know, Darkrai, V-Star hasn't done anything. Um, Gengar hasn't really been around, though we've talked about it a little bit earlier in the cast. So you're not really seeing any dark attackers just from other archetypes generally. So again, that means your Mews are going to last a little bit longer on the whole in any average matchup and you're also seeing Arceus Inteleon decks you know just go or any Arceus deck playing the Inteleon line they're going with a lower count of Path of the Peak so some of the thought with Arceus in the last format was maybe you play with Bibarel and you play a high path count and you play a high Marnie count and you just Marnie path every turn and that over time of course is going to just really grind into Mew but these Arceus and Talion lists are playing probably one, two paths. And that seems very doable for a Mew to get over. Not to mention the early game pressure that a Mew can put on an Arceus to try to get out their Pokemon in time to evolve into the V-Star and survive attacks. So there's a lot to be said for Mew uh, being a decent play heading into Worlds. You also have to consider there are people trying out Arceus and Talion Charizard variants, for example, that don't play many if any path to the peak which is another angle for you to just slide in you also is not one shot by the Charizard radiant charizard mm-hmm. and take early knockouts and and really just begin a dominant position from that point in the game so i agree mew seems to have carved its little niche for itself i do appreciate the fact that you brought up as well pressuring the bench i feel like arceus especially plays a pretty greedy early game where it's really trying to just get one Arceus max (laughs) Mm -hmm. and that's usually as much as they can manage in in that very first turn and Mew loves that (laughs) right it loves that situation yeah and we're seeing even Arceus decks play just four Arceus as kind of their only base right you think about the Arceus Mewtwo deck that has shown up recently and they're just playing the four Arceus and then they need two three four five turns to get the Mewtwo V union in play get that all discarded and get into play. So they're just playing those four Arceus as their main attackers. Like how difficult is it to find a second or possibly even third Arceus as this Mew is just gunning you down turn after turn. Plus you have to imagine, you know, Mew even has the potential to reach up to one shot damage on Mm. the Mew 2 V union. And that, that hurts like the stall decks that hurts the Arceus Mew 2 deck. 
So Mew has a lot of benefits going for it, and we don't need to harp on all the things that make Mew good. You all have heard that over the last, what is it, six months that Mew has been one of the best decks in the format. It's It's got that turbo element with the Genesect. It's got the staying power and its damage. The The big thing that, that keeps Mew back, if anything, is A, vulnerability to Roxanne Path, um, B, Palkia being able to match its pace after the first turn of the game, and C is if you whiffs early, it's one of the worst decks to kind of claw back with, mm -hmm. um, whereas some of these Inteleon decks can kind of create more creative strategies to win their game. However, if you if you can get out of the date gates consistently with Mew, gosh, it is a force to be reckoned with. So let's think then about Mew heading into Worlds. Do we think this is a flash-in-the-pan phenomenon with people trying to experiment away from Palkia, so to speak, in the short term? Or do you think this is something that will extend all the way through Worlds? Yeah, I think that's that's a great question. I think as people look for counters to Palkia and Arceus, because that's the hard thing is like finding counters to both of those decks. And I think those decks that are trying to be the counters to Palkia and Arceus are going to just kind of fall prey to Mew again with that really quick first turn potential, uh, the ability to gust things up pretty easily, um, the ability to reach for those one shots like you were talking about. I mean, I think th these are all just really great points in Mew's favor. Um, I think that, yeah, you'll see a lot of players at Worlds that have pretty much just been playing Mew for the last six months and are going to decide to bring it again. And there's no, you know, this is not me like, you know, oh, that's that's not the right strategy. No, no, by by no means. I mean, I think take a deck that you're comfortable with, you know, um, but I do think we'll see these Mew Genesec players just um, stay the course, play their Mews, and I think we'll see. Um, certainly, I would not be shocked by any means to see Mew in the top four of the Worlds. The top the four. Division. But you yep. would be shocked to see it in the finals. No, I'm just saying, you know, <laughs> I don't think in the top. Top four was just like such a precise increment <laughs> well it's just you know top four is like kind of what i think of as being you know you've made like the final four in basketball right yeah. it's like if you make the top four like that's that's great you know that's a fantastic finish right so from you to make top four like that would be a fantastic finish i think worthy of the deck briefly want to pause the thought to give a shout out to grant manley for rating the live podcast here folks who are listening post-mortem do you remember we record this every single week live at twitch.tv slash bunner at 9.30 Eastern every single Wednesday. So be sure to come check us out if you want to be a part of the experience. Um, but I, I, I think I agree. I I do wonder if Palkia will ramp back up at Worlds, though, and we'll see Mew start to struggle. Not so much in the fact that it'll lose every game versus Palkia, but it'll lose enough of them to keep it out of contention, so to speak. So if you play, I don't know, four Palkias, for example, which I don't think is unreasonable in day one, you could easily be out of contention at that point, right? Mm -hmm. You mm -hmm. could lose two of those off rip and maybe even a third. But if you lose those two, you only have, you don't have any more games of leeway. So if you just have one bad set, you'll, you're out at that point. Mm -hmm. um, 
and then same thing for day two like it is reasonable to hit a fair number of how he is i think in day two and what happens right right i do think the online scene is seeing a little bit of a shift especially by top players in these events who are trying to not play palkia so to speak they're trying to do other things test new decks see what's going on and it's led the metagame being a little bit skewed away from palkia you think away from palkia and also favoring decks that maybe struggled against palkia um or just wouldn't have to consider it and also the game the metagame is skewed heavily into like palkia counters and i don't know if like that is a, if that's something that's going to be sustained in an actual world championship tournament setting you don't think so i you don't well, think there will be a lot of counter decks i think there will i'm just saying like at this level you know mm-hmm. will we see so many people drop palkia i don't think so <laughs> you know it's a very common mentality that you'll just play the best deck and play it better than everyone else, right? Yeah, I mean, my my top choice right now is Palkia. I think the deck is yeah, absolutely exactly, cracked. Exactly. You know, absolutely <laughs> insane, you know, broken then, in half. And, like, I I need people to come up with an answer to me, you know, instead of exactly. me trying to come and up like, with the Exactly, and, like, there are lots of people who are going with them at Tality. Respectfully, you're not, like an unfounded genius for having that mentality going into the world championship. Respectfully though. Respectfully, you're kind of stupid and dumb and (laughs) and honestly really bad at the game, but like in a respectful way. Uh, So so I don't know. I, I don't think I would play Mew at the world championship, mostly because Mew at its core is still a high roll deck. Um, And I, you know, I had that traumatizing experience at UIC. I would yeah. not want to put my world championship in that same situation. Do you think that there's any way to innovate Mew? And I know that's going to sound a little bit stupid, <laughs> but do you think that there's any way to just, I don't know, like take, like maybe take out the Cramomatics and play um, Rotom Phones and trekking shoes as like your draw engine you know not rely on that coin flip as much or i don't know play different counts of supporters or you know silene or whatever it is you know what i mean like are there any ways to innovate the mew beyond what we've seen that could maybe help in certain matchups honestly i think the mew deck is best at its most simple uh so when you're playing you know the rotom phone cramomatics um, and I think the Cramomatic does have fairly significant value because even if you flip tails, it's a way to get those dang VIP pass out of your hand mm-hmm. without relying mm-hmm. on a ball card. You know, it's another set of cards that can get rid of your VIP pass and unclog you, um, which is valuable. You know, the Trekking Shoe can't unclog you, whereas the, the Cram can. So I think the Mew deck thrives at its most simple. You know, we think about Grant Manley, who won the Full Grip Astral Radiance tournament, and it was with a very straightforward Mew deck, you know, mm-hmm. a, a brilliant stars of Mew deck. And as I've played with cards like Trekking Shoes, I've been underwhelmed by them. Silene is kind of cute, but I don't think that's like truly innovative into the play of the deck to play like one Silene in it, you know? Yeah, sure. One recovery card for sure. It, I don't think that really fundamentally changes much. I don't think cards from Pokemon Go really fit into Mew either. Like Pokestop was something people were talking about. I actually don't think Pokestop's very good into Mew because you want to keep your Pokemon around. You want to keep your supporters around very much so. Um, what do you think about energy as well? So. What do you think about Pumpkaboo? Pumpkaboo is all right. I honestly, I don't love it. 
but I I won't like yell and scream and call you bad if you played it. <laughs> you know, I Punk the the thing with Path right now is it's primarily used in conjunction with Roxanne. And I like obviously it increases your outs by a fair amount if you play a Pumpkaboo because now your Ultra Balls and your Quick Balls are outs to that situation. But I almost feel like in those matchups, you're better off just trying to completely overwhelm them. But maybe I'm off base. I don't know. I I am not opposed to playing Pumpkaboo. I think it's an okay card, but I would love to not play it, you know? Sure, if you can. Absolutely. So I would at least consider not playing it. <laughs> For sure. Lots to think about as we head into the final weeks here before the world championships. I think it's very cool. I mean, the meta is just so wide open. It's like, it's impossible to really give every single deck its due. So you have to cut corners when you can, you have to eliminate certain decks when you can, you have to make choices, um, you know, where possible to like, okay, I'm going to focus in on these style decks, or I'm going to focus in on this small subset, come up with the best list I can, or just on this one deck and like really learn the ins and outs and try to play it as well as you possibly can at Worlds. It's an exciting time. It's a cool time. It's a fun time. Excited to see what innovations people come up with, because surely there will be some of that. But I think there's enough decks out there right now that you can go in with something that's been tested and do pretty well as, as well. So, um, Absolutely. you know, a couple weeks ago, we'll be doing some testing hopefully here in the next few days and try to come up with something busted. In two weeks, we'll be in London. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, let's go at the, <laughs> at the Fox, baby. We will be in London in two weeks. I'm excited. JW's excited. And we just want to share that excitement with you all in the weeks leading up to Worlds. So if you want to connect with us and share that with us, easiest way to do that is on Twitter. You can find us at Tag Team Pokemon to represent the podcast. And JW and I, of course, have personal Twitters as well that you should follow. I'm Smiles and Riles, and JW is at Real John Walter. Like I mentioned earlier, we record the cast every single Wednesday at 9.30 Eastern Time at twitch.tv slash Munner. JW also has his own channel where he streams regularly at twitch.tv slash and you can also find him on YouTube. He's very much worth the sub, so go check him out. And I have an update regarding shirts. They are being made as we speak, and we should have a tracking number for those shirts by the end of the week. It just, you know how things go. Things just get delayed in, in the business world. So um, <laughs> we are waiting on those shirts. And as soon as they arrive to me and I have them in my possession, I can check the quality. Then I will put things up on somebody's website. Some website will go up so you can order they're going online, the baby. <laughs> yeah, but we need to check the quality because we don't want to be starting pre-orders and then uh, we didn't get the shirts that we thought we were going to get and, you know, the whole thing. So uh, those are on the way and just be on the lookout for that. Sorry to kind of delay another week, but so it goes. We appreciate all of you so much for listening and for your support. Be sure to leave a rate and review and if, if you liked it or if you didn't so we know what to continue doing or what to do better. And with that, we will catch you next time. Peace.